Hello and welcome to the Tech in the Hood podcast. I'm your host, Ahmed Flex Omar. Tech in the Hood is a storytelling podcast that explores the past, present, and future of Chicago's cultural identity through conversations about community and technology. Each week, I reconnect with the friends and mentors who have shared this journey and spotlight new voices and innovators building the future of the tech in the hood. Welcome back to Tech in the Hood, the show that brings you the intersections of art, business, culture, and technology. Joining me in the studio today is my good friend Malik Youssef. Malik, how you doing, brother? Alhamdulillah, I'm well, brother. How about you? Uh, I'm doing good, brother. Alhamdulillah. Um, so you got so much th- out there in, in your resume and on the internet, you know, so it's really tough, you know, to do your uh, <laughs> biography. I mean, we, We'll probably need a whole show for that, but honestly, what I want to talk about is um, how we met. You know, yeah. uh, back back in the day, I think it was uh, on two thousand and you know five and south four? south was or, it four or five around there and on south loop in the mm-hmm. south loop mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah when south loop was just getting um, you know started coming the south loop yeah mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and you know so time time has uh, you know flown but you know. A lot of people know you as a, you know, a poet, um, artist, a musician, humanitarian, you know, veteran, also father, uh, businessman, entrepreneur, technologist as well. And now you're also, you know, painting, you know, so yeah. um, I would like to, you know, start actually in on a poetry, you know, okay. side. and um I'm real curious to know, like, when did your journey in uh, poetry begin? Um, I don't think there was an actual start to the poetry. I think it's always been in my mind, always been in my head. It's always worked that way for me. Um, But I do think that the journey, there was a part of the journey that started my spoken word career, Mm -hmm. if you will. Mm -hmm. Um, I was always able to write poetry, um, even accidentally, because of my neurodivergency. Everything wants to rhyme for me to organize it like that. I organize it by by kind of like rhyming, right? I organize my thoughts by rhyme and reason and song. And um, I was uh, probably just like trying to write love letters mm. to girls. And it came out like poetry. I see. And the f- one one girl told me that I didn't write the, the letter accent. She said, well, my friend said that you don't write poetry, so it's, this is poetry. I was like, it is? She's like, yeah. Because like, mm. to me, poetry was something that was like beatneck in mm-hmm. a book. And this was like, I was writing spoken word. I didn't, I was writing in my, in my head speak, right? In my head voice. And it was more like prose almost. Spoken word. Poetry, word, jazz, if you will. Mm. And um, then I uh, wrote a poem to my mother who was very, very abusive to me. Um, more, the older I get, the more I look back and like, wow, it was, that was inconscionable, what was happening in my household. And just like every, at every end, every emotional, you know, um, 
barricade she could put up for me. And I just exploded in poetry one night. I was drinking, I was like 19, drinking with some of the bros. And I came in the house drunk and read the poem. It was probably terrible. It was written on a, legal, white, a yellow legal pad. And um, it was like, man. And then after that, she used it against me every time she could. Like, I don't want to hear no poetry either, nigga. And I was like, oh, wow. And I was like, yeah, it was poetry, you know. And um, from there, it's to start, like, when some of the, when there was a funeral and one of the guys would get killed or something, I would do poetry. When somebody in the family would die, I would do poetry at the grave. And then it started being at the funeral or at the Janunza. And um, I, a young lady introduced me to spoken word poetry but um I never heard of spoken word and um I was able to listen to her and she gave me instructions like if you've been writing poetry you should go say it at this place a place called the Green Mill where Al Capone was the uh, proprietor at a time yeah and it's rumored that there's an underground tunnel from downtown Chicago to the north side on Lawrence Avenue. But when she after she told me that, it you know how it is like the power of linguistic suggestion. And um so I start hearing the word different places and I was at home looking at TV in the living room and I saw Takia Crystal. Shout out to Kia Crystal. Um from In Living Color and from um I think the Cosby's. Um but she has uh, been in a lot of movies. So she's a beautiful woman, beautiful actress, just, you know, just an incredible person. And she was, they were like making a big deal that she came to Chicago. They made a big deal out of it. And she, they asked her, where was she going? She said, I'm going to Spice's Jazz Bar for open mic poetry and spoken word. I said, open mic. This girl told me about open mic. And now I'm hearing it again, open mic. Because I wasn't into music. I was in the hood, you know, just whatever. So I charted a course to that. And um, I tried, of course, to the Sunday night I went to Green Mill with Mark Sims, who invented slam poetry. And he, when I got off stage, said, can you come back next week? I said, yeah, I can come back next week. He said, can you be on time? Can you, are you sure you can come back? I said, yes, sir, I can. And um, that was a Sunday. The next night, which was Monday, I went to Spices. So understand the juxtaposition. North Avenue, I mean, um, Lawrence Avenue and Broadway, predominantly white crowd. Poetry was kind of stick poetry, kind of like entertainment almost. Some some was heartfelt, obviously. And um, the contrast of Spice's Jazz Bar with all black people, you know, with locked hair, natural hair, you know. And I got a standing ovation in both places. And um, the next Sunday, I went back to Spice's, I mean, to uh, Green Meal with Mark Smith. And I walked in, he said, good, you're here. Grab my hand and walk me to the front. And I was, it was strangely lit up this time, though, Flex. You feel me? Mm-hmm. Like lit up. And I walked past this big apparatus that said ABC Worldwide News. And it was a news camera. This is 93. You know what I'm saying? So I'm like, what the hell's going on here? You know, 20 years old, you're like, what? And throws before, me on stage. Four people had emails. Yeah. Throws me on stage. I take out my legal pad and I read this poem called A Soldier Story. Mm-hmm. And two months later it aired. So that was a Sunday night. The second time, that was my third time on stage. And then my fourth time on stage, Ted Witcher was hosting. 
Ted Witcher is the director and producer of Love Jones, one of the most famous movies mm-hmm. about spoken word poetry in the world ever. And he saw me, and he, I was talking about love, and he's like, "This we kind of we want this black love." And he went on to three years later, four years later, to produce Love Jones. Wow! And was gracious enough. Shout out Ted Witcher was gracious, gracious enough to include me in the movie, in the film. And I didn't have a big name yet, but I was, you know, when I first did it, did the poking word in front of him. But as my legend grew in Chicago, when he came back to Chicago and I got up with with, with, with uh, Lorenzo Tech, Lorenz Tate, got up with Nia Long, Bill Bellamy, and kind of like formed a friendship with them. And I was on set doing poetry and I was a principal and they edited me down to almost nothing. So, that's how the journey really started. And once the movie hit, I was already on Common's album was coming out. Mm. My city poem. So that was like a big deal too. That album went gold. And, and you and Common have known each other for a yeah, while. Yeah, we, we we grew up together basically. He from yeah. 87th Street where I went to school at SCVS. So you understand it was like all these convergencies of things that was from destitute to destiny as it were and just being in the right place following the law's timing um lost judgment and the commandments to serve and to be punctual and all the things that we learn through the codum of how we serve god which is through humanity so servicing people has gotten me 900 times more than what my skill or talent or ability or money could have ever gotten me no absolutely man that's 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 powerful and now uh celebrating 50 years of you know hip-hop right and um re- reflect a little bit about on, the, on that on that journey obviously it's uh <laughs> it's, it's changed the world and right? global 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 movement you know obviously i was i was like just born when hip-hop came out mm-hmm. but uh when they got big got on the radio and what have you um but being from chicago it kind of didn't make it here through the airwaves because chicago was reluctant to embrace it but mainstream radio you know some of the smaller stations took a chance on it mm-hmm. some of the djs took a chance on it and I mean, without a birth through radio, it would have never been able to grow like it did. And do you guys understand the advent of MTV, where you could shoot a video, where radio stations wouldn't play you, you could shoot a video. Okay. So shout out yeah. MTV. People talk about MTV a lot in a negative sense of what it did and you know, what it turned into or whatever. And that's, you know, up for debate. Mm-hmm. But to have a music video, to see a song, to see a song, you understand? Listen to what I'm saying to you. To see a song. To see a person's creative aspect of something that they born from themselves and to see a visualization of it was revolutionary. Because mm-hmm. these were movies for us. Right. You know, you from the hip-hop generation, you feel me? They're stories, they're these narratives. Are, these are narratives, bro. Yeah. And it, it, it galvanizes a certain kind of a community to say amen i mean to that Mm. i understand that i'm not going through the exact same thing but i understand that being a teenager and being able to 
CKRS one and then go buy the CD. I mean, well, tape at the time. Right. You know, KRS one is still. I, I would say maybe my top MC. It's like I struggle between Hove and KRS one. Mm. But Ice Cube made my favorite hip hop song. Today was a good day. I still think the greatest hip hop song ever made. Yeah, it's an incredible song. It's incredible. It yeah. is. You can feel it in your spirit. Yeah, there's so much energy in there, and so. Come yeah. on, man. it was like the an. It was like told, a, an an anthem. The, a day in the life of man. Yeah. A day in the life of not just Ice Cube, but hustlers from everywhere. Mm-hmm. People trying to get it from the. The black market economy, the underground economy, the the entrepreneurial, you know, vestiges of of a of a community that's bereft of resource, and you know exactly what that feels like. Mm. Didn't even see the berries behind me, you know. It's just like didn't you know the police didn't bother me, you know. You see people all the time. You go to the airport. You travel a lot, and you'll see a white guy, and they'll say, uh, "Sir, can you take off your hat?" You know, it's a random. When he's coming through, the, absolutely no problem. He's so American, and well, hip hop tells you that that's not our reality. Mm-hmm. You can listen to it or not. We get harassed like that every day, so we're not happy to take off our damn hat at the airport yet again after a lifetime of taking off your hat, so to speak. And our white counterparts don't experience that, so they can't see it because you gotta understand racism in America. Is so American that they think it's American culture. They don't understand it's racism. We, we're arguing with people that don't understand that this is racism. They don't. They're like, I'm, "This is not racism. This is American culture." Precisely. Because it's, it's institutionalized. It's institutionalized, and they can't feel it. Mm-hmm. So you're arguing with them something. You're. It's like they're like, "I don't feel that," because right. I'm working in a coal mine. Mm-hmm. I don't have any white privilege. Mm-hmm. You know, my sister is on welfare with three kids and I'm white. Where's my white privilege? They don't have it, but they don't understand that. Try all those things while being black. That's all I'm saying. And you can say that gently to people, but when you're upset, you scream and you holler. I mean, let's go back to MTV. You know, black music was not shown on MTV right away. You know, I know David Bowie. uh, Bro. Lobby for something. that. Let me tell you something. Yeah. David, Bo- there you go. David Bowie. Mm-hmm. But he married a woman mm-hmm. that was Somalian. Yeah. You understand? He mm-hmm. had a friendship with her already. So he had another lens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then with Michael Jackson, when he made, when he transformed into a rock star, the radios didn't want to accept that. They wanted him to be, you know, Frank Sinatra Jr., which what he was. Right. He was just Frank, little Frank Sinatra, his whole career. Mm-hmm. Even took Frank Sinatra's producer, Quincy Jones. So the radio was like, we're not embracing this new hitting licks mm-hmm. in the 80s. That's what it was, though. Yeah, yeah, the yeah. yeah. So yeah, he's like, yeah. this is what's happening. So you got the amps. And it's all technology, it's right? All tech. It's, it's, it's tech all tech. It's tech of the day. It's tech of the day. Come yeah. on now. Mm-hmm. You're a tech, you, you know. Flex tech. You, are, you know technology when you see it. Mm-hmm. Some people don't don't get to go another layer, right? But you do, I do, we understand. Mm-hmm. It's physics. It's physics. It's mm-hmm. all physics. Mm-hmm. So they were like, nah, we ain't playing this on the radio. This is Michael Jackson, one of the most famous people in the world. Famous since he was a little baby. They still said no. Gary, but Indiana, MTV, next door. Yeah. Gary, Indiana. Going back to Indiana. Shout out Jason <laughs> Weaver. Um, so he was able to say, there's a new 
thoroughfare. There's a new delivery system for this music. And he delivered Beat It to MTV. And that's what happened. What a blockbuster. What a blockbuster. Yep. What a blockbuster, bro. And then he gave him B Billy Jean right after that. Yep. And I copped that album and I was still in Abu Dhabi. No way. Yep. You copped Thriller in Abu Dhabi? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, there was no cursing on there. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Interesting. He was saying sexual stuff, though. There'll he be no darkness tonight, lady. I love Nobody you. knew. <laughs> Get you know? you. Yeah, and uh, there wasn't a whole, like, uh, censorship or anything. And Abu Dhabi was a little bit more... Um, Different than Saudi Arabia, you know, at the time. It's still Abu Dhabi, though. Yeah. It's not like it's old Abu Dhabi. I've been to old Abu Dhabi. I've been to the masjid. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've made a lot there. And it's yeah. different than Dubai. Dubai is wide open. Yeah, Dubai is yeah, But Abu Dhabi, old yeah. Abu Dhabi, not new Abu Dhabi, yeah, which yeah, is like Yaz yeah. Island and stuff. I'm talking about old Abu Dhabi. It's still pretty. Yeah. I don't know. How did they get it? You say they didn't know? They, won't, they, won't, they didn't ban that album. They I, didn't ban Thriller. I, I got it. In Abu Dhabi. In Abu Dhabi, yeah. That's some... Lady, our love will shine. <laughs> and what about Thriller? I can thrill you more than any ghost could ever dare try. That's right. And it was our band. That's interesting tidbit, Flex. Mm -hmm. Well, Michael Jackson and, and his partnership with Pepsi took him all over the world. Okay. Okay. And that was like one of the biggest strategic, you know, partnerships. Yeah, you know, it ever. sanitized them. Yeah. Because Pepsi, you got to be squeaky clean with those brands. Exactly. It sanitized them. That's very intriguing. Mm -hmm. So you bought the Michael. Michael Jackson seemed, I was a little kid, but it seemed yeah. rather explicit to me. Mm -hmm. I was like ashamed to sing some of the lyrics. Like, oops. No. Oh, we, we, we didn't know what, what exactly, you know, it, it was. We were just singing it. You know, we were kids. We are just singing the music. Yeah. 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 So they let that slide in Abu Dhabi. I mean, you also think about it. Uh, our English is British English. Mm. It's different from American English. Mm. So it's not like we Man, knew. You're saying some what, real stuff right now. What, Amer what American, you know, slang, you know, entail. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Those innuendos were lost. And no. Yeah, exactly. Because you didn't know the, you didn't know the, you know, code, you know, per se. The code. Later, later on, it's like, oh, hold on. That's Hold on a that, second. That, that, that's, the information, that's the argument that I have all the time with my wife. We don't speak the same code. Mm -hmm. You know, I speak a different dialect than her. So therefore we clash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and it's hard because, you know, I love her and I love our children. And, but we don't speak the same code. She can't pick up on my code, those nuances, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, yeah. It's and just like, it's just like, it's just like, you know, technology. You can build an app with uh, JavaScript or you can build it with Python. Python, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's interesting when you talk about hip-hop because Michael Jackson used rock mm -hmm. music as a backdrop for this new fast street style, break dancing. All those things are elements of hip-hop. Right. You know, it's not just the music. It's not just rap. Rap is a part of hip-hop. You know, the principles of hip-hop are b-boying. Mm -hmm. Graffiti. That's right. Don't art, forget art. Art is a big art, part. Come on, man. Yeah. That, you see, I, well, I stopped on that graffiti. Mm -hmm. Graffiti artists are hip hop, bro. It's part of hip hop. 
I mean, obviously people have been writing on walls since Gobeki Tempe before, prior to that even, you know. We have been expressing ourselves through art as human beings. But this more verbose, loquacious style of music, is the, the music is the backdrop and the words are at the front. It was crazy. It was like, well, hip-hop artists aren't musicians. Okay, let me tell you something. You know how hard it is to rap? To rap good? It's difficult. Mm -hmm. To be a good rapper is difficult. Like, all you're doing is rapping. All you're doing is rapping. Try that technology. Try switching your brain to rhyme on certain times and cadences and measurements and measures and bar account. And end right at this, end this rhyme scheme right here before the, the, the beat breaks. It's, it's not easy. Yeah. They want to trivialize it, mm -hmm. you know, and minimize oh, they'll say, it. Oh, it's an it's, it's rappers can't sing. Exactly. <laughs> and diminish it. Yeah. Well, you know, singers can't rap. Well, let's, let's say that, but some can. Mm -hmm. And singing is not the, being born with a, with a voice doesn't make you a singer. It's people that I promise you in three days, they're going to go to any church in America and sing the paint off the walls. And then go to the telemarketing job on Monday. Mm. Having the talent does not get you into this industry. It doesn't promise you anything. Nobody's looking for talent. Talent is everywhere. It's tremendously abundantly available. And that's can't what you you can't that can't be what you tell me. Now I have to go do other metrics to see if I want to work with you. Are you likable? Do I like you? Do mm -hmm. I want to struggle to deal with you and talk to you? Are you talented enough to make me Deal with your toxicity? Maybe. Maybe not. It's a soft skills. That bedside manner is what makes me want to work with you or not. Are you teachable? Are you prone to instruction? Are you coachable? So hip-hop had to go through all these growth spurts and these, these periods, these awkward stages and so on and so forth to become the global force that it is now. Mm -hmm. You know, and... um Now, would you say uh, Drake is kind of like the Michael Jackson of this generation's era? Where would you where would you put him because he's very very popular? Right now. I told I told uh, the artist formerly known as Kanye West, now known as Ye, and I've been calling him Ye for years. People see I, I put a post up where I said Ye, and it was like ten years ago. Mm -hmm. People like Malik said Ye. But a lot of people call him me anyway. But anyway, I told him, I said, man, you know, Drake is on his way to being the biggest rapper. I, I would say as far as popularity, I would say Jay-Z and Drake are right there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you had two rappers to pick a party from, you would if, 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 if Jay-Z had a party, you'd probably go to his party first. Because of his cultural influence and his skill level is just tremendous. Me being able to tour with Hove and see him every night, flawless, you know, and him letting me go on stage and throw the rock up. That was a blessing. I appreciate him and Vic Mensa, Raho Rock Nation staff for embracing me and letting me tour spoken word <laughs> through 30 venues with 30,000 people in them. It was crazy. Standing ovations was a blessing. You would probably go to where Hove is said, go to. And then secondly, you go to Drake party. And if you had a tertiary party to go to, you might try Puffy. You know, 
and that's it right i mean everything else is up for grabs you know right right right, right. but those three you know puffy was a michael jackson figure for a minute you people don't remember when puff came out with mace and how impactful yeah. that was on hip-hop man you can't downplay the shiny suit era mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know shout out puff you know with all the the, the tumultuousness around him puff has treated me yeah incredibly well yeah, 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 yeah. i appreciate him big brother and me through some of this stuff it's, it's it's hard to navigate through this maze this is a labyrinthical thing because it's 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 ever changing the relationships change and switch daily and you have to be able to adapt and you know also hold big Brown, you know and then drake liberal i've got a couple songs with drake and drake i love drake you know you're gonna see drake you know and i said drake is gonna be a superstar when we did find your loving and I told Kanye, this, that, that was a great song. Thanks. Thanks. We wrote it for Rihanna. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> we wrote it for Rihanna. Drake came to Hawaii. Uh-huh. I was sitting down uh, looking at this particular architect that I like. I was on No ID's computer looking at certain certain uh, artists who are uh, uh, architects I liked. And I was like, oh, man, got to get this house built for my wife or that, whatever. And uh, he's like, that's your house? I said, that's the architect I want to use. And um, I was doing this big deal with Kanye for this um, NPC app. We were doing this like, like an $80 million deal or something crazy. Like mm-hmm. that was going to be worth like $300 million, you know. But you never get business done with Kanye, obviously. But. It was coming. And Drake said, you got some music? I said, yeah, what we got on here, no ID? We played Find Your Lover. And it, was, it wasn't it was in Rihanna's voice. It was in a, somebody scratched it. I don't know if it was me or Kanye, I forgot who, or maybe somebody else, maybe a girl scratched it. But uh, I think she demoed it. But man, when I tell you that, <laughs> Drake heard that song, was like, I love this. So I was like, bet. So I went to the back, I told Ye, I said, look bro, Drake loved this. I said, what song? He's like, I was like, find your love. And he's like, no, we wrote that for Rihanna. And no, I produced it, I believe. Mm. And um, uh, he was like, no, that's for Rihanna. I said, no. He's like, that's like a dress for a woman. I said, well, <laughs> let, let my folks wear a dress. They want to wear a dress, bro. What you talking about? Like this, you know, you, you could flip a dress. Michael Jackson crossed the aisle on fashion way before, you know, and then way before him, James Brown, and way before him, you know. Sometimes the women's stuff be way flyer than the dude stuff. All you got to do is take it to the tailor and get it. You know, it's like, let them, let them tailor that joint. But as I have grown in my understanding, Drake wanted to seem vulnerable. Mm. He wanted to say that because you go back to R&B, the, you know, and it was like, you know, you know, Zap, you know, Roger Troutman and Zap. I want to be your man. That's vulnerability. I want to be your man. Um, so that part of it is where Drake saw the sensibility. And that's the same reason why Rihanna didn't want to take the song. She didn't want to seem that vulnerable. Mm. But she's saying, I'm, I'm, treat me special. Yeah. And she's begging to be treated special, which a lot of us wind up doing. Treat me. Can you adjust to me somewhat? Okay. 
And the way Drake, Drake sang, uh, sang that song, Bro. I'm more than just an option. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey. I might add that to my set tomorrow. Yeah. Just so people, because people don't know I wrote that song. No, I had no idea. What co-wrote? Because I never have written anything by myself for Kanye. Sure, sure. One, I think I maybe, no, I have no songs that I wrote the whole thing yeah. for Kanye. You know. And um, let's, talk, let's talk about the... Uh, I mean, obviously, you're accomplished, you know, song songwriter, and if you want, uh, you know, Grammys uh, for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking about, you know, the art of, you know, songwriting, you know, there's collaboration, and there. And earlier, you we're talking about Rihanna, you know, that song, "All of the Lights, All of the Lights." Mm, man, tell, tell us about that one, and kind of give us kind of like a glimpse into like the songwriting world. Oh, so. Songwriting is relatively easy, relatively. Mm-hmm. Song placement is the difficult part. Got it. The mechanical, industrialized part of it is very difficult. But, you know, songwriting is relatively easy except working with Kanye. Working with Ye is inextricably, you know, linked to your childhood traumas if you've ever had any. He will haunted house them up out of you. Mm. He will bring forth all of, all your self-loathing, self-hatred, self-doubt. He likes that he likes that wickedness. He loves it. He lives in that space. He lives in a dark I live in a dark space too cuz I write fish write dark music, you know, listen to sandcastles is very dark. Mm-hmm. I'm, I've used a lot of minor chords to write with, you know. Even my happy songs are dark, but he lives in a different space. He lives in turmoil. He loves, if everything around him is in turmoil, then he's at calm. If everything is calm, then he's in turmoil. He can't mm-hmm. take it. He mm-hmm. can't sit there. There may be ADHD, could be just his own personality, his disposition, I don't know. So you have to go in prepared to battle the elements. You have to address the elephant in the room. The elephant in the room is that Kanye is prepared and wanting to say no to everything you do. He wants to say no. And he wants you to do exactly what he wants you to do, but that doesn't make for a good project. Following Kanye's instructions explicitly doesn't get you anything. It's the strife, it's the friction, it's the the, the tug of war that exists between geniuses, if you will, because Kanye is a genius. We're back to physics again. It's almost like kinetic energy. It is kinetic energy. Mm-hmm. He needs it to be wild. He needs it to be wild. He needs he needs it to be shit crashing, people crying, people disappearing, people tapping out. They can't take it. They got to go back to London. He needs it to be that for him to feel anything. And he needs to say no a bunch of times. He needs to say no. And I mean, I'm talking about he needs to have emphatic knows he needs to be like no because we're working on um all the lights well it used to be a call, song called ghetto university and i liked it it was like and it had but it had this sample in it from muhammad ali boom 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 the champ is here boom 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 i said the champ is here and i'm from chicago yeah. you know my name is malik Going to Mas Miriam, you know, when I was a kid, and knowing that Muhammad Ali was a black man that said he was beautiful. 
Now, of course, in Africa, people think they're beautiful. But in America, you were told you're not that this is not pretty. He said, I'm pretty. Oh, I'm pretty. <sighs> to a three-year-old kid, hearing a black man get on TV say, I'm pretty. That this is beautiful. And then saying, Asalaamu Alaikum, and having the name Muhammad Ali, and my name is Malik Youssef, which is, would seem weird in America. It was, he was a prophet almost to us. So I still have that, like Mustafa, one of the brothers, he's a DJ, DJ Mustafa Rocks, he has a picture punching Muhammad Ali in the nose on the front page of the Sun-Times when he was little. <laughs> we birthday twins, me and Mustafa, mm -hmm. born the same day. And to hear Muhammad Ali's voice at any time, I got a chance to meet him, obviously, and take a picture with him and all those things like that and to know him a little bit. As my in an adult, as an adult, you feel me? It was great. Um, and me and Mike Tyson talk about him all the time. Um, shout out, Mike. What's up, Ak? Um, it was hard for me to not love that part of the, of Ghetto University, even though it was it was the horns. Champ is here. Burm, 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 burm. I say the champ is here. Burm, 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 burm. It was like, <gasps> I'm going to write this song with this Muhammad Ali sample on it. This is crazy for me. So I wrote everything I could around that, you know. The champ, I, I took the champ is here and let it stick in my mind and tried to write with that. So I was like, you know, saying all these different things. But he kind of had the song he thought it was going to be the single because he was mad at everybody in LA because. I think the Taylor Swift stuff had happened. Mm -hmm. So he was mad that people took that Gaga took him off the off the tour. Then Cuddy got kicked off for swinging at somebody or something. So it was like Kanye felt attacked, you know. And, and in some ways he was, but you know a lot. Also, he I think he can't see that he attacked Taylor in a way. He told the truth that Beyonce had that song. Not sure if he needed to take up for me. I said, that's still, the jury's out on that for me. I'm like, I don't think you should have did it. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. it was necessary to do. But for him, yeah. it is. Because he needs to be a contrarian. He needs to make everything go poof. He needs to blow it all up. For him to feel any kind of comfort. So I to feel like a volcano. Yes. And I mean, that may be something that makes him dope. That may be something that makes him not dope. I don't know. It's mm -hmm. him. But he, that's what he likes to do. You know. He don't want therapy. He don't want to change. He likes being that way. And that's fine. Be who you are. I've never met an artist with zero demons. Right. That's not possible. I'm, I've never met a human with no that, demons. That's, <laughs> welcome to Earth. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So um, so he had this song called No More Parties. And it was like, he had a sample. It was, please, baby, no more parties in L.A., Los Angeles. And I was like, man, this is cool. He's like, this is going to be the single. I was like, mm. <laughs> we, we battle about these things. You know, mm -hmm. when I said that. Gold Digger was the single. He was like negative, no possible way. I'm like, oh, it, and it's always a battle. And I understand him. It's his album. It's not my. It's not Malik Youssef album. I'm not signed to Def Jam. I'm signed to good music. I'm not signed to Def Jam. I'm here with Kanye. I'm here to support Kanye. You know, my Universal deal was it turned into a publishing deal, not an artist deal anymore. I'm not. No, so I'm here to kind of pillar this, bro. You know what I'm saying? So. But I'm still going to say what I think is right and what I think is dope and what I think is cool. And that's what he don't want to be. He's like, I don't want to be cool. I want to be disruptive. And I understand that. So both those things work together. Now, 
So I started writing that. And I was like, please, baby, no more parties in L.A. Won't catch my won't catch my Ferrari parked in valet. I can call the rep and Ricardi the chalet. Mixing the light in the dark like Halle. Los Angeles, please, baby. No, people like, oh, that's hard, Malik. So I was like, okay, cool, let's do that. And Kanye was like, okay, I like that. Let's try to simplify it. Let's try to tug on it, see what we could do, make it cleaner. What's after that? And I was like, okay, cool. This is Kanye's way to try, push all envelopes. But the, everything my spirit was saying, and I'd I be knowing that spirit when that come. When them swift angels come with that message, I'd be like this. Because the Muhammad Ali thing drew me in. But I couldn't land it. And he was like, no, that's whack. No more parties in L.A. is the single. I'm like, well, what about Ghetto University? So I had one thing. I was like, it's like the champ is here. I say, big man on camp. Big man on head nigga in charge. Big man on campus here. Um, taking off. I'm taking off like the ramp is here. Um, uh, the heat, the champ, the the... The hero is the one in the dampest gear. I'm wet with here. Then the atmosphere. And the atmosphere. Don't enter here. Uh, uh, and, then, and then some ghetto university or something, right? He was like, nah, it's whack. I was like, that's not whack. He's like, yeah, it's whack. Head nigga in charge. Big man on campus here. Anybody can say that. I was like, yeah, but it's the way we saying it. And with the sample, he was like, nah, it's not, that's not live. Like, you got to give me something. If you want that to be the single instead of this, there's no more parties in L.A.? You know, one kept my Ferrari parked in valet. Like, I'm gone. I'm, he's like, that's the feeling. I was like, yeah, you might be right. I'm not doing enough to prove it. Because he's right. That sample, that hook is better than this hook. Mm. Even though Big Man on Campus here is, a, is an homage to Kanye's entire aesthetic. College dropout, head nigga in charge. Big Man on Campus here. Top off, take off, like the ramp is here. It's like, you know, college girls top off. I was figuring all these allegorical components and double entendre. And he was like, nah, nah. So we got into an argument, as always, but another big argument. He was upstairs with Rick Ross and Mike Dean. And was it Hip Boy, maybe? I don't know who else was up there, but I go up there. The Haiti earthquake had taken place and a lot of lives were lost and obviously government. So Quincy Jones wanted to do a reboot, a modernized version of We Are The World. And Kanye couldn't leave because we were working in Hawaii. So he flew a camera crew out. And Kanye did a verse. We wrote this like little cool verse or whatever. I didn't really love it. It was quick. We were working on the album. Kanye wanted to get it done and get the camera crew back out of there. And of course, we had Ross. And this we doing. We were doing Monster, and we was doing Fast Life. Uh, I think it's Fast Life. Live Fast, Die Young. Or, you know. So we was writing that for Ross' album. Well, I think it was for our album. Then Ross wanted it or whatever. So at the end of the verse that we did for Quincy Jones, Kanye said, "Everybody pitching in, yeah." I was like, "Man, this." And obviously, I'm too. I'm already upset with him because he's not going with me with Ghetto University. So I found a little chance to take a dig. Like that's whack, which it was. But nobody gets it perfect the first time. So I'm like, that's shit whack, Joe. He's like, what? That's why people say. I said nobody says pitching in. I don't know rap songs. Like this is white. This is white people, bro. So I was like, no, it's not for white people. This is for the audience. Our customer is not that person that would say pitching in, bro. 
our client because we built this client for what good music represents. And I was like, think about our clients. Like, man, I don't get my clients. I was like, all right, cool. So Rick Ross is like, Malik, don't even argue. Okay, everybody was like, don't even argue. You're not going to. I used to do that with Tupac, argue with him. And that was one of the demise of our relationships. With Tupac? Tupac relationship, yeah. You know, I'm trying to be, you know, a drill sergeant to him. I'm trying to tell him, you're going to get yourself killed. He's like, I don't care about dying. And I'm mm. not understanding that's not a threat for him. And it compromised my relationship with him, me always giving him orders, barking out orders to Tupac, a superstar. And I'm just some dude on the street. I wasn't really even doing poetry yet. You know? What year was this? It was, it was when we first met, when I was like, when he came home from jail. So I was like, I was doing poetry, but I, that's it. I wasn't doing music. Because mm. Tupac died before I ever had my first song come out. Wow. Upon Pac. Yeah, still hurts. Yeah. That's why I got my little beef with Barack Obama from over Tupac or me trying to fly to Vegas to see what happened to Tupac. He's like, man, you know, you can do that. Man. Go get yourself killed to go to jail. But he said it rude to me. But anyway, that's another whole nother story with me and Barack. Mm -hmm. But um, so I was like, OK, people always be telling me to chill. I go too hard. I drive too hard. OK. I said, well, I'm going to go downstairs and work on the single. He's like, what single? I was like, Ghetto University. He said, that ain't the single. The single is no more parties in LA. I said, well, I want to work on Ghetto University. He said, okay, go down there and work on it. And if you don't nail it, that song is off the album. Now, you know, we mm. can't lose Muhammad Ali, Ak. I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, so I go downstairs. Now, he's gave me the ultimatum, which that's the corner you get painted to. You don't want that because he's serious when he say that. It's like... I'm done arguing with you, boy. It's not happening no more. I don't want to have no conversation with you about this. So he said, what's well, off the album? He, it's his album. So I go down there, and Drew is down there. Now, we've been trying to nail the hook the whole time. I had Elton John there. Him and his husband was there, and his husband was being bogus, and we um, was able to... His husband, it was Elton John's birthday. I didn't know that. Sir Elton John, his birthday, he at the studio with us in Hawaii. And his husband, I overheard him in the lobby area with some of his other friends that had traveled for Elton John because he was performing. It was his tour. He's like, yeah, just where I want to be on my husband's birthday with the rappers. I was like, oops. I dipped, went back in the studio like, man, I'm sorry bother you, Sir Elton John. Happy birthday. He's like, oh, thank you, man. Oh, thanks, man. I said, I'm Aries too. He said, oh, okay, that's amazing. I was like, your husband... Is ready for y'all to go. He's like, how do you know that? I was like, he was saying that it's your birthday and he don't want to be with the rappers. He was like, he did? Where's he at? I said, he's in the um, in lobby. He said, okay. Well, how far? Are we? So yeah, he said, okay, lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> so I locked the door. We brought all the keyboards out. Now you gotta understand, people was already making fun because I was trying to get Elton John to go in. Kanye brought, well, Mr. Hudson, shout out Mr. Hudson, brought Elton John out. Um, and um, we tried to get a hook and he's like, I tried to tell you, but all I could say is, oh, people was laughing. I was like, y'all do understand this is Elton John. Yep. Why y'all laughing? Because he didn't nail a hip-hop hook. Y'all do know this is that dude. I mean, this that nigga right here. He in your face. This man can bend the keyboard. Legend. He can bend it, bro. Mm -hmm. So we kept that part. And then Cuddy had left, and he said, that which I didn't like that much. You know what I'm saying? And me and Cuddy have a strained relationship, and I love him. Cause he's a brilliant artist, but as a person, we'd clash. Mm -hmm. I'm not the type of person for him. You know what I'm saying? So we clash and that day we clashed on something and 
he called Kanye and we was in the Elton John concert and Kanye was like, come here, Malik, man, you can't be getting into it with Cuddy. I need Cuddy. I said, you need me too, though. He's like, but Cuddy's a star. I said, I'm a star. He said, but Cuddy's a, he's signed to a label. I need him. I said, so I'll leave. I'll leave Hawaii. He said, no, I don't want you to leave. I want you to apologize to Cuddy. I want you and Cuddy to make up. I said, I don't have a beef with Cuddy. He has beef with me. Mm. Different. Mm -hmm. Cuddy, but Cuddy also doesn't want to be controlled and want to be told what to do. And that's kind of my how I'm trying to bark orders at people. I'm still learning. You know, can't bark orders at people, even if you think it's the best thing to do. People, yeah. they where they are. And I was like, I don't want to repeat a Tupac, you know. So, so all that happened. We had all that in the hard drive. So this is my last chance. So I had, I told Drew, I said, Drew, bring up everything. I'm listening to all this concognophy of sound. Cuddy trying to do a hook. This person doing a hook. Elton John on a hook. But that day when when I had Elton John locked, when he had the door locked the door, I brought out all the keyboards, and he played on all the different keyboards. So he had different sounds, different layers of sound. And I started listening to that, and the spirit hit me and said, "Lose the Muhammad Ali hook, lose the sample." And I was like, "What? Lose the sample? Who who said that? <laughs> like what the heck?" It's like, "Yeah, lose the sample." I said, like, no, I can't lose the sample. That's the song. Like, that's not the song. Lose the sample, Malik. I mean, literally, just like I'm sitting there talking to you, it's like, lose the sample, Malik. It was like, you know, letting, it was like Titanic. She let Jack go. That's what it was like. And it, it physically hurt me. Yeah. To lose this man's voice. This giant of a man who made black beautiful and Islam acceptable. I know I, I can't I'll do anything not to lose that Spirit said lose it So I said Drew Take out the sample He said which sample I said Ali He looked He said you sure I said yeah He took it out The track breathed it a little bit I said let's Slowly add in some of the keys Drew's brilliant 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 engineer And producer too Cole period I stuff for Childish Gambino, obviously a bunch of yay stuff, mm -hmm. and so many people. And there was a there's a law in songwriting when you get a block, think about everything else but the song. So I started thinking about my oldest son Jabril, and uh, his first words were light. Ooh, daddy, look light, light, daddy. I was like, man. Jabril, I started talking to think about Jabril, and I just, just first words came to my mind. Like, like yeah, start going through the, the chronological history of my son, basically, of being a father to him and being a single dad and struggles of that. I'm thinking, I'm feeling all these things. And then I'm like, light is a very powerful word. Sunlight, moonlight, starlight, flashlight. And the song was playing. I was like, I'm like, it's like all the lights. And it was like right in that part. I was like, wait, what happened? I said, hold on, go back. Mm -hmm. He said, what? I said, just play it again. Loop. All of the lights, all of the lights. Last night, last night, last night. And I had stripper light in there because I know Kanye loved him some strippers. <laughs> but Kobe Bryant, Vanessa, Kobe Bryant's wife, peace be up on Kobe, man. Look, bro, I love you, man. And Vanessa was like, I got daughters. I don't want to hear stripper light every time I play a song on the radio. So Kanye was capitulate. I was like, I don't care. Stripper light is fresh because what's stripper light? 
It's like all it's like all the lights itself in the strip club. It's all of the different various lights. I've been strip club a couple of times in my life. Dated a lot of strippers, but I've been I dated more strippers than I have been to strip clubs. But I do know that ambiance is something about that. You know what that means. You can feel it. It's tangible. But she took it out. But when we first made it, it was in there. It was like stripper light, strobe light, search light, green light, strap lights. Strap. I just, I just, I put about eighty lights in there. Yeah. I did. I put, bro, I was like night light. <laughs> As kids would say, it was lit. It was lit. <laughs> so I put like a billion lights in this song. All of the lights, all of the that's light, that light, light break, lights front, lights, 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 such a light, such a light. I just went crazy and I was like, I got it. Like, this is it. This is what it's been trying to say. So I went upstairs. I told Ye, he was working with Rick Ross still. And he was still mad at me for saying that that verse was whack. And he know it was, though. That's the crazy <laughs> part. He was defending it because he says for white people. I was like, what white people you know want to tell me the white people to say pitching in? Let a camp council, everybody got to pitch in. Maybe that, but not in music life. Come on, stop playing. So anyway, he was still mad. I said, I got it. He said, okay, I'm finna come down there. And if it's not it, we're not talking about this no more. Only work on normal prize in LA. I was like, no, I got it. Jeff Basker's in there the whole time. Shout out Jeff Basker. And um, shout out Jeff Basker, his mom. I met his mom. Jeff Basker's a, a, a mean cuss, hard to deal with type of person, but he's so talented. You know, I love him. I, every now and then I'll text him. He won't text back, but you know, he's rich and famous. So why would he text me back when we probably weren't the best of friends? In my mind, I, I loved him and I probably was hard on him too. But um, so Kanye comes down and he plays all those different lights. He plays all the lights. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Boy, I put every light you could. But I say I didn't miss a light, bro. Traffic light, huh? Like, like flood light. <laughs> I went crazy on the lights, bro. I went full brazy on the lights, bro. And you know, my neurodivergency don't let me know if I'm doing something socially unacceptable. It's just like, do this, Malik. How about this? This is creative. And it's like, well, this is overkill, bro. You tweaking. I can't tell, though. I can't tell where I'm at, you know, in an in a in a event. I don't know if I'm too much, if I'm overdoing it or whatever. So I just kind of stay away from stuff. I just kind of give my input. But this was like, and he was like, "Okay, this it, this it." I said, "Okay." He's like, "Go get really though." I was like, "Okay." I was like, "Jeff, can you go get really?" He's like, "No, Jeff Basker is a Beatles level composer. He doesn't go get people." <laughs> <laughs> I said, "Okay." I'll take that. I'm, you know, I, I feel like we all on the same level here. Mm -hmm. So I think we sent somebody else to go get Jeff Basker, maybe Tasho Pierce or something like that. My homie Tasho, shout out Tasho. Hawaii's very young. Um, Cold MC. I got a song with him, a couple songs with him, but um, he was there all the time with us playing basketball. And uh, we started writing all the lights. And I had some weird hook, like something that wasn't as sweet as what Dream came up with. It was like, you better see the lights in here. And if I turn them on, then y'all can see me. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Something like that. And Dream was like, turn up the lights in here, baby. Extra bright. I want y'all to see this. 
I was all kind of, if you see me in the light, I will be the light of your life. And you see me, baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something crazy like that. Something celebratory. He was like, nope. Super Atlanta it out. <laughs> you know, like, get out of here because you're weird. Like, you know, it's like you're a weird human, man. Like That's not going to work. We can whittle that down and get something, but yeah. let's just do this. Yeah. Turn on the lights in here, baby. Extra bright. For y'all to see this. <laughs> now, uh, Hype Williams came and directed the music video, right? Um, I'm going to talk about the music video. <laughs> that was... That was that was something else, but there's a the part in the beginning where there's a child, right? What, what was that? that was, homage to? Yeah, just Kanye being a child, mm. seeing things, not seeing seeing things the way they could be in the world, and right. shedding light on issues and stuff. That's when he was still like kind of like exploring his revolutionary side. You know, he's still a revolutionary artist, obviously. But certain things that I think he went overboard with for my taste. For him, it's fine. Yeah, no, yeah. I was all that anti-Semitism and all that. Yeah, that's not. So, that wasn't cool. That's not my bag. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. And do I think that Kanye hates Jews? Mm -mm. But I, I'm from Chicago. I'm from the south side of Chicago, bro. I could think of about literally just in Chicago about two million people that I would say I love before I got to Hitler, even if I was the most loving person in the world, Hitler would be the probably last on my list. I would name the 8 billion people on the planet and be like, and dude, and I wouldn't even say dude, but mm -hmm. I'm saying though, I could give you another list of names that you could say you love first. Mm -hmm. So that's my thing on that. You know, I don't want to be labor. That shit, that shit is whack to me. Yeah. Goofy shit to me. But, you know, people say what they feel, and he had the platform to do it, and he did it, whatever. <laughs> but word bond, though, word bond to Elaji, I'm going to tell you, man, like, that nigga Dream Cole. <sighs> dream special. Mm. Like, Dream is special, man. Like, Drake is special. Like, Kindred is special. J. Cole special. I, I know him, Kanye and Kim and, and J. Cole be having their beefs and whatever, whatever. I don't care. Special. Like you got people, Eminem is special. Big Juice from Chicago, special. J.U.I. special. Rhyme Fest special. And Kanye was able to bring all these special people around him at a time in his life. Mm -hmm. Obviously, Hove, like we ain't gotta do we gotta say that part? Do we got to say Beyonce? Do we got to say Hove and Rihanna? But I'm talking about people that you might not really understand. It's not just great artists. These are special, <sighs> poignantly gifted, yeah. Saha the Prince level, Big Sean level, John Legend voice level, Travis energy. You know, these are things that are like, everyone is unique. Right? Mm -hmm. Everyone is unique because there's only one of each one of us. But there's rare type of things that exist. And Kanye was, when he was Kanye, and even as Ye, has been able to bring, you know, you know, being in the studio with 
I gotta say it. I'm not. I'm not being disrespectful when I say this, though. Being in the studio with Tyler, the Creator, is one of the funniest things in my life. Cause I knew Tyler years ago. Mm-hmm. Before the Our Future thing, my son was in an Aero sweatshirt video, all kind of stuff. But I asked Tyler. I said, "What's your email, bro? I'm gonna send you something." He said, "Same email." I said, "No, it can't be the same email. I got a Gmail on you." He's like, "Oh, that's it." I ain't going to say the other part of Gmail, you know, whatever. And this was a few years ago. I was like, wait a minute, you got the same Gmail? He's like, yeah. It just was like, it, it just made me feel so good, like, to be to see him as a star now from when I met him he was a hungry kid. Like, check out my music. As controversial as it may be to say this, and I know that it's going to be controversial to say this, is that, Kanye is a master architect, bro. He can see, he saw what having these people around him would do. Like that kind of vision to see that you needed a song with Adam Levine. Like me and Kanye have a song with Adam Levine that um, Promised Land that we did for Barack Obama. Be Kanye, Adam Levine, and I think Tony Williams, maybe JV too. But it's like to see that coming, that vision, but to also be so blinded to your own demons. But we don't, humans don't self, we don't like self accuse. You know? Mm-hmm. And as long as we talk the self-accusing spirit, we don't naturally just self-accuse. So you kind of start to think when you have success, you think everything you do is right. And it might be right for you, but it might be wrong for the current environment. You know, like it's right to jump off of a cliff, you know, in Jamaica, but not when your three-year-old son is watching and you swimming away and then you hear a splash. That's your three-year-old son right there. You're like, whoa, I messed up. I set the wrong example. So in in music, you know, and especially in the pantheon of music that Kanye has created and given birth to, given birth to Drake, you know, and, you know, but you want the student to surpass the master. You want this, you know. Bruce Lee was training up people to be better than him. And without that, you are a failure as a leader. If the next generation is not greater than you, you failed. If the 2024 uh, Mercedes-Benz is not better than the 2023, Mercedes-Benz has failed. That's really what it is. Hip hop has to keep getting better and change. Sometimes that change is gonna look a little bit weird to get circuitously to these new melodies and these new melodic resonance and stuff that we need. We need these things to exist. So, and, and, and also too, and I'm going to ask you a question, Flex. I'm going mm-hmm. to I'm gonna ask you a quick question. Let's go. And, and you, you tell me, you know, what's wrong with giving these new rappers a chance? What's wrong with it? Oh, people are going to say immediately, oh, it's too violent. 
I could take you back to violent rap from my childhood that was yeah x-rated violent and interesting right drill drill music you know came out of here came from here yeah but fireman but now you got the father of drill music mm-hmm. the father of drill fireman himself yeah. did Lil Durk's first shout out Lil Durk shout out fireman did Lil Durk's first mixtape yep the first drill producer now fireman obviously is famous with then Ellie Chopper songs and all stuff he's doing now, but it came from here. And and it's a global thing, right? Um, in uh, UK. UK is all drill music now. Oh, everywhere. There's drill music in Arabic. Of course. That came out of the streets of Chicago. The streets. So we're talking about giving, you know, kids and rappers, you know, a chance. How many of these, how much... How many of these kids know about their IP? Intellectual property, property that are given out to the world. And it's difficult to hold it because it's so. Especially now we got TikTok, right? Exactly. Once it's out. It's yeah. In the world. So, you it, know, and you know what? So too, let me mm-hmm. say this to you too, too. By you being from Chicago, being a, a connoisseur of Chicago art and rap and so on and so forth. And you hear people all the time saying, oh, ain't no positive content out there. That's not true, obviously. It's not true. But when people say that, I want to ask them, show me your list of conscious artists that you listen to. That's right. While you're on Instagram and TikTok, oh, all oh, this is bad news. I don't want to hear these women talking about their private parts. Show me the web rappers that you support that don't talk like that. I'll be on the phone with Rhapsody and I love her. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And she's having an existential crisis because it's like, she don't do that, and that's not in her nature to do that. She shouldn't have to do that. But she should have all you complainers going to flood her page. Go to Spotify. Go to Apple Music. Purchase. Support. Find her concert dates out, where she performing spot dates. Run up her numbers if that's what you want. Or do you want to complain? Because you can't have complaints and progress in the same place. Mm-hmm. At some point, complaints have to stop to make progress exist. Yeah. So, and a lot of these kids look up to you and call you big bro, right? I mean, I've heard Vic Mensa mm-hmm. say that quite a bit. He was on a podcast with uh, Mike Tyson. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was one of the with cool- my big bro, Mike Tyson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was the coolest conversation you know ever of them kind of reflecting on you. Yeah, it's a blessing. Yeah, that, but I mean, I did the streets. You mm-hmm. know, since I was twelve years old, I was in the street. You know, what I'm saying so. Surviving that gives me a certain amount of credibility, but if I could have circumvented that, yeah, what if somebody would say, "Hey, sneak through this door," because the gangway is not a shortcut; it's a dead end. Mm-hmm. You, you just did, have to stop before you did you what you could end. with your environment. There's, I did. There's biology. It's biology, no question, and it's known and it's, it's structured like that. We mm-hmm. don't I'm going to redlining and all those different things, but nevertheless, and always the more. But you won an Emmy for that film Chicago, Chicago, Chicago at Crossroads talking about that. And, and the CNN episode talking about that. Yep. I got an Emmy for that too. Mm-hmm. So, but it's, it's me being a, now being a conductor of that railroad as opposed to a participant or a passenger on that, on that train. I was able to get off that train. A lot of kids ain't able to get off that train. That's deep. So you laid the tracks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, and Love now the resources, yeah, but the trains, yeah, on the, so, the trains on the track. Mm-hmm. And, you know, 
somebody asked me at MTV one time, they said, so what do you think about Chief Keef? I said, Chief Keef is rapping at 17. I wasn't rapping at 17. Mm-hmm. What I was doing at 17, you would have wanted me to either be dead or locked up. Like, oh, Malik's the problem with America. That's what it would have seemed like. You know, given what and I had he didn't do, have you, And you didn't have YouTube. I didn't have YouTube, and I didn't have a me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a YouTube or a Youssef. Like, a lot of these, they got me. They got, like, Vic, I say Vic Mensa is who I would be if I had a me. To guide me through some of the most raucous and Chance, formidable. Chance the rapper. Chance, my little homie, I put him in his first studio, you know. Of when my, one of my moles had a studio, and I put Chance now for free to do his first mixtape. You know, these are things that it's like. That's community building. A hundred percent. It's the Nguzu Saba. It's the seven principles of the Nguzu Saba. It's, it's, it's literally Islam in practice. It's Christianity in practice. Mm-hmm. It's Judaism in practice. Serving humanity. Serving, only way. Mm-hmm. Now the where only do you real see religion the... is kindness. Kindness, that's right. That's the only real religion. Right, right, right. Everything else is just a derivative of that, how you get to your mm-hmm. kindness. And kindness connects. Everything. Yep. Without kindness, you can't know God. Mm-hmm. That's right. You can't know God. You can't tell me you know God and you're because not Because Allah is Rahman and Rahim. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on. How many times did Allah forget a prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him? How many times? How many times did he... Correct him more than anybody else in the Quran. Mm-hmm. Prophet Muhammad made a mistake upon mistake. Don't touch me to the muskeen man. <laughs> Don't touch you. Who is you? Allah say who? Who? Cause you got on white, young man. Oh, I ain't gonna feed. Are you a Muslim? I can't feed you. Oh, what? What? Did you get fed when you was born? Was you a Muslim? Was did you get fed? What are you talking about, boy? This is real. That's how we got to look at this. Yeah. You know, there's a saying. Can't I mean, is Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, was illiterate. So yes. God delivered the final messenger, uh, the final message to him. <laughs> you understand? We talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. We talk about this all the time in my circles. Yeah. He was illiterate. Yeah. Because he didn't have to read. Reading was something you you work all day, you move around. Reading was a chore. You got light a kerosene lamp at night or a candle at night. It wasn't like you, it wasn't no grocery store you can go get a candle from to learn to read after your day of travel or work was done. You go to sleep. You consume food and go to sleep for rest. Feel me? Yeah. So we we are under a luxurious, you know, uh, version of the earth right now mm-hmm. luxurious or at a time of abundance full right so it's important to and the governments is the governments is making it seem like scarcity because they're controlling the resource which is mm-hmm. not natural mm-hmm. thanks for listening to this week's episode of tech in the hood it's an honor to have you along for this journey and i hope you tune in next week tech in the hood is recorded in ravenswood at the chicago podcast studio if you want to hear more you can help by leaving an honest review of Tech in the Hood wherever you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Tech in the Hood.